0: May only truth be spoken, and only truth received. The title of this sermon is, What Do I Do Now? And now I understand you have been receiving sermons from the book of Proverbs this summer, and I hope it's been good for you to reflect on some of the Bible's wisdom literature. But drawing from the same tradition, I'm extracting today's scripture, packed with practical wisdom, from the book of Ecclesiastes, which offers sage, sometimes sardonic perspective on the human condition. And reading through chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes last June, I was struck by one verse in particular. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain life, all the days that are given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun." Hmm. Verse nine. Now that was the day I received an invitation from Elam Chapel to preach this Sunday and I said, if it was today I'd preach on this passage and Graham said, fine. And here we are today. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your fleeting life. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. As it happens, I met the wife whom I love right here in this auditorium 45 years ago. Margie and I have a long personal association with Elam Chapel. Many of you are familiar with us at one way or another. A few will remember Margie as a going concern around here in the 80s and 90s, an active woman, raising children, leading Bible studies, organizing potlucks, serving in many ways. Things are different for us these days. Multiple sclerosis is rob Margie of motor control and executive functioning which is to say her mind and body no longer serve her as they used to. She now depends on others for activities of daily living. And Margie's done a remarkable job of adapting to her circumstances. She's largely come to accept her increasing limitations And she still wants to stay connected to the action in the moment. What do I do now? She'll often ask. Or what do we do now? Now, what do I do now can come kind of a plaintive cry, kind of like the backseat whine, wondering when are we going to be there. But it also gives voice to a question both universal and forever a question that bedeviled people in ancient times, a question each of us must face in our own lives. How do I live in this transitory and offering often troubling space and time into which I was born? What do I do now? The dilemma of what to do is at the heart of the human condition, for it reveals our individual responses to the circumstances that form the context of our daily lives. Every one of us wonders, or would benefit from wondering, about what matters most for us to be busy with during our brief sojourn on planet Earth. This is an ancient problem. The search for meaning and purpose within existence is expressed well when the psalmist prays, teach us to number our days aright that we may attain a heart of wisdom. And he goes on to beseech God to establish the work of our hands. The goal of our living, it seems, is to be occupied with life-enhancing activity while nurturing a heart desirous of wisdom. But what is the way of wisdom for each of us in our day and age? How do we know what actually matters most? How do we pass the time? What are the best ways to occupy our days? What do I do now? I won't answer those questions in any detail. It's the nature of life for us to just keep asking them forever. Yet we can fairly surmise that seeking wisdom and putting it into practice is a good way to expend our energies. What I will do is offer a few brief reflections from a few verses in a single chapter of a book that provides sage perspective on what it means to be a time-bound creature in a universe vast beyond knowing, to be both inspirited and mortal, to be creatures with callings to pursue amidst both ease and adversity, And along the way, I encourage you to listen to your life, to look for love and to learn to love, and to release, to let go of whatever is unnecessary in the ever-shifting demands and dilemmas of human existence. Now, as a person whose faith is cast on the idea of a loving creator and a love-saturated creation, The presence of much pain, suffering, conflict, and toil presents some difficulties. The dessert store in my neighborhood sometimes posts a sign boasting, we sugarcoat everything. What I like about the writer of Ecclesiastes is that sugarcoating is no longer attractive or compelling. He casts a more experienced eye on the way things are, And things are never like any of us will ever find completely satisfactory. Either now or 3,000 years ago, nothing is always right all the time. And coming to terms with the way things truly are rather than how we would prefer them to be is a big item on the human task list. The troubling reality is that we live in a world rife with problems. Things go wrong. Stuff happens. Life's full of disparities. Societies stratify into tiers of privilege. Few people are very rich, many are very poor, and all too few are content with simply enough. Humanity is perpetually in conflict with its surroundings. We struggle with each other, with the weather, with what it takes to provide the basic necessities of life we fight over resources and we find it hard to share fairly we yearn for shalom but live quite selfishly welcome to planet earth beyond uh, the features of our existence that could be so much better if only we collectively hearken to our better angels there remains the further fact that just about everything that ultimately affects us is beyond our control, anyhow. Our arenas of influence are microscopically small in an exponentially expanding universe. We're bit players at best. Ultimately, more like particles than persons. These can be hard concepts for us to come to terms with. Humbling, for sure. A well-known wisdom prayer calls for serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. This is the eternal struggle of life. What do I simply need to accept? What do I need to work at? How will I know the difference? What do I do now? In the opening verses of Ecclesiastes 9, the writer acknowledges the general fairness and unfairness of life, which is that while everybody is born and everybody dies and that's fair, just about everything that happens in between is not fair, whether for better or for worse. And that whether we are good or bad or rich, or poor or whatever, just about anything can happen to anybody for no good reason at any time. Life is like that. Life, declares the teacher, is vanity. Which to my ear sounds downright cynical. And here it's important to clarify some points about this word choice. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer repeatedly comes back to the claim that life is vanity. And yet, as uh, scholar James K. Smith write, notes, when the teacher describes everything as habel, the word described, uh, translated vanity, he's not saying everything is meaningless or pointless. Rather, he's highlighting the elusiveness of the world which slips through our fingers and escapes all our efforts to manage it. Which is to say that things don't endure and life seasons change. What season is it in my life is always a good question to ask. There are times and seasons for everything and time is always marching on. This speaks to the transitory nature of our existence. The most meaningful and purposeful activities we experience are but a wisp, a wispy vapor in the mists of times. We're mere blips in the big scheme of things. And so, how can we think of ourselves as important in this context? How do we resolve this tension between the immense significance we attach to ourselves and the vast informality of life as a whole. Who am I now? What do I do now? We find a few clues to this question a little further down in the chapter and the first lesson I receive is that life is here to be relished, not simply endured. It's good to engage life by finding joy in our appetites, our relationships, and work. All the things we do in the passage of our days Part of an abundant life is to eat, drink, and be merry. These are healthy human activities. Delight in your food. Gather with your companions. Count your blessings, for indeed it is a blessing when our appetites are satisfied and our souls content. Enjoy those times. Enjoy those seasons. Receive the good things life sends your way, And do not resent others whose blessings may appear to outmeasure your own allotment. Always be mindful of those with less. Grateful for what you have and generous with it. Relationships are important as well. The most significant relationship in my life is my marriage with Margie. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain, your brief life, because this is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. So what do I do now? A big part of my calling in life is to hang out with the woman I married 43 years ago, a life that's been filled with adventure and misadventure seasons of restiveness and others more settled. We've been generally happy and productive with plenty of hard knocks along the way, including burnouts and cop-outs, mistakes, large and small, and for Margie, the burden of living with MS. Ecclesiastes acknowledges this can be toilsome. Truth be told, I don't know a living soul Who not in one way or another constrained by circumstances the specifics of anyone's constraints are details important to each of us in the moment but mere froth on the surface of our existence that is carried on relentless currents of time into the great fact of human mortality we have no choice but to go with the flow we're born We live. We die. Ultimately we're all out of our depth. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. It can shower us with blessing and it can also be capricious. Tossing good fortune our way one moment and disaster the next. One only needs pay attention to the news to realize that the good guys don't always win bad stuff happens, unpredictable events occur, tragedies and distressing situations abound. Our part is to recognize our predicament. Part of our part is to recognize our predicament and we tend to see this more clearly uh, in times of trouble. Each of us will face moments when we and or people we love are completely overwhelmed, when the realities of human frailty and the limitations of our ability to control our environments will disturb, dislocate, distress, and otherwise trouble our lives. No one can anticipate the day of disaster, says the sage. And calamity can be sudden and overwhelming, he says, like a fish caught in a cruel net or a bird in a snare. Anything can happen to any one of us at any time. Time and chance happen to them all. So what do we do now? I want to suggest in the first place that we orient our lifestyles to grow in love. We should never stop trying to develop greater affection and respect for God, for others, for ourselves. When Margie and I got married, we vowed to laugh with each other in joy, to grieve with each other in sorrow, and grow with each other in love. Little did we know what we were pledging. We certainly enjoyed our wedding day and through the decades have always had everything we truly needed. And today, our love is different than on the day we spoke our vows before witnesses. It's deeper, it's wider, it's kinder, it's less self serving, in both directions. And it's a pretty good place to be in a relationship. But I do not recommend the pathways, I do not recommend to you the pathways we've taken to, to be in a, in, a, in a place of contentment here. Each of us has our own issues to navigate, and we always do. In this world, you will have tribulations, and love softens the suffering. What do I do now? Do what it takes to grow in love. You do that in part by seeking your vocation. In this, you need to work with the grain of your calling. You can pursue your bliss or discover your groove or whatever metaphor it takes for us to become aware of an appropriate and productive outlet for our energies. You need to look within yourself and then around you. What could the world wear in my environment Could the world use some mending? One clue to find that is probably from where you have suffered. What wound have you lived with that sensitizes you to a need in your community or in your sphere of influence? So allow the spirit to speak into your pain and be open to following where that leads. What do I do now? Do your bit to make human society a less dangerous and a more flourishing environment in the situations and decades where you're the one carrying the torch. Brighten the corner where you are. I'll wrap up this exhortation by suggesting that we keep looking for God in the details. That we cultivate eyes to see and ears to hear the truths that emerge from living with a sense of the spirit within the toil of our days. Anticipate, look forward to experiencing divine sparks of love amid your ordinary, the grace notes in life that Bruce Coburn envisions as love trickling down like honey from God. An image of the manna God provided to the children of Israel in their desert wandering years, a nutrient sufficient for this day our daily bread, just what we need for now, enough. Open yourself to discover the sweet spots of blessing that are never truly absent, no matter what else is happening, glimpses of transcendence to provide solace and to strengthen spirits through the discomforts of any season. What do I do now? Grow in grace. What do I do now? Meet the demands of your day with determination and equanimity. Go about the days of your life with gratitude for what you have and a holy yearning for all you truly need. It will be there. Act with justice as your aim. Extend mercy for any reason and sometimes for no reason at all, except that mercy is what's needed. We could all use more mercy now. Worshiping God is a good way to show proper submission to the Lord, to the Creator, the Lord of the star fields, the ancient of days. Loving our neighbors as ourselves is the guideline for righteous living. And so I urge us each to listen to our lives, to release whatever is unnecessary in the ever-shifting demands and dilemmas of our existence, and to look for love, yearn to love, and learn to love. Let's pray. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we, may be, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days and let the beauty of the Lord be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands, O God. Amen.